This episode was recorded on December 15th, 2020. All right, everybody, welcome to the comic panel. I'm Cody. I'm Taylon. I'm Jacob. And I'm Shawenta. Today we're going to be discussing Doro uh, Hidoro. Is that how we say it? Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. That's, good. Yeah. Sure. Um, maybe. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. So Shwenta, you picked this for for today. Um, you want to kind of talk a little bit about it? For a second. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure Dora Hidoro finished this year. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been going on. Um, it's by Q Hayashida, um, and she started a new series after that. Uh, with similar themes. Like we'll we'll definitely talk about like some similar themes going throughout her work, but I would say. It's interesting because once you get past this first volume, the basic premise of this series, I totally forgot that this is how it started out. <laughs> so the basic premise is um, with Kaiman, the main character, uh, living in a world of wizards and magic without any of his own magic. And... We'll go, we'll go into it a little bit more than that. But he's basically has something... He's been cursed by one of these wizards, and he is trying to figure out who did it to him. Cool. I think the term in the book is sorcerers, though. Is yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think it is. I had some questions about... And maybe you guys can kind of help me. Like, uh, like about questions about the world that this takes place in. And, like, maybe it answers it in later volumes, but, like, I didn't get a super good grasp on, like, magic in this world and, like, what it can do. Is it something that's, like, it's, like, the force, like, it's around all the time? Is it something, like, or and you're only born with the ability to manipulate it? Is it something that, like, your personality kind of um, influences? So, like, we see guys with magic with, like, that seems to revolve around mushrooms. And then another guy who seems to revolve around bugs. And then, like, another reptile guy. Like, nobody really stopped and explained, like, I'm super into skeletons. That's why I turn people into a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that, um, like, my kind of understanding for it is that, like, basically, there's two different dimensions even there's the sorcerer's world which i can't remember what they call it and then there's the hole and like so they like they're like linked but they are separate you know and so i don't think that people in the hole can practice magic only people from the world of sorcerers or at least maybe the the knowledge is you know gate kept, literally. Um, mm. 
And so, yeah, I think that, and then each, like, each sorcerer, you know, they do their experiments, and it's basically, like, that's how they develop their niche, you know, how to become a, a specific kind of sorcerer. Yeah, that kind of uh, transformation is transmutation, specialized kind of transmutation. Mm. For example, bugs or... I'm going to say mushrooms, mm-hmm. but I'm not entirely certain what that is. One, I don't know if N, the guy who turns people into mushrooms, I don't know if necessarily he, that's a transmutation. But, so, yeah, that's interesting, actually, that you could, like, count so many of them as transmutation. I am thinking of several characters in particular who haven't been introduced yet or who haven't been revealed what their magic is who kind of fit outside that mold. Um, And I would say that, so, you know, there's the whole, which seems very much like the human world, as close as it would get to our human world, a very apocalyptic Mm -hmm. dystopia, like, of buildings that are crushed together and gloomy alleyways and just death and destruction. There's a lot of gore in this book. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, the sorcerer's world, which is like, vaguely better like looks a lot similar but uh i would say that people don't feel as oppressed there because you know they're not in constant danger of being victimized by a sorcerer it feels like also they don't but get yeah, the waste um, of their magic waste byproduct yeah they're so the you mean the the it's not dust is it the black powder? Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, something like that. So uh, I think people who can do magic, I wouldn't say that if you can't do magic, you can suddenly do magic. I think it is sort of something you're born with, mm-hmm. and it has stuff to do with the black powder, and it's explained later on, and they go into depth with it. But um, a lot of the sorcerer stuff is tied to hell and demons which we see at the very end of volume one. Mm. But there's a lot to do with, like, sorcerers become demons. Demons help make more sorcerers. It's it's not super clear, and it's almost played up kind of like comedic bureaucracy, like, oh, stand in line here, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You'll get assigned at this. A very supernatural definition of help. A lot of the book I would really define as, like, gore, like, very strong gore, but at the same time comedic. Yeah, I agree with that. It also, like, you know, a thing that I noticed was that it didn't, like, it definitely did not hold your hand at all, you know, through the story beats. It was, like, fast-paced instantly, and also we're not going to explain anything like, for instance, like, the start of chapter two, where he just, like, gets a side job, I was like, wait, but we didn't, we didn't get to see you do any of this. You're just suddenly <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's resourceful. Sometimes it feels more slice of life mm-hmm. than, like, yeah. plot-based. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess, like, with this kind of story, you would assume more tropes that are consistent with, like, you know, something that might be, like, shonen, you know? 
like, not necessarily shonen, because, like, you know, it's not, like, a young boy protagonist or anything, but, like, something like that, where it's, like, you know, they're on a, a magical journey, you know, and they need to, like, figure out this thing, but instead it's, like, oh, but we also just, like, live, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we gotta stop by for some dumplings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say that most of that slice of life is around Cayman and Mikado and Shin and Noi. Shin and Noi a little less so, but still there. Yeah, and so... Yeah, it's super interesting, the, like, opposites. Like, Shin and Noi are those two um, enforcers, sorcerers, Mm -hmm. that work for N, the big head sorcerer guy who turns people into mushrooms. Well, he turns a lot of things into mushrooms, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus, um, yeah, Nikato and Kaiman in the human world, the whole... Mm -hmm. We should say that Kaiman I'm a gonna, uh, was a human, but then got turned into a lizard man. Yeah, I actually found out because I was yeah, like... Yeah, I, I didn't specify that. <laughs> I, I said he was cursed. I didn't mention that his head is just a lizard, and I think most of him looks like a lizard. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I found out just today because I was like, huh, is that just like his like human name, or what, what's the deal? Uh, a Kaiman is actually a, like, you know... A relative to crocodiles and alligators. Hmm. Yeah. Like like a name of an animal. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Did not know that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just like a weird, like way less cool version of alligators and crocodiles. <laughs> I mean, they they essentially look the same. <laughs> no, the, the, aren't they cool smaller? Name? They might be a they little. They have like a smaller. longer snout. I don't know. I think their name sounds cool, at least. Yeah. But. Um, I don't think it's revealed here, but yeah, like he he alludes to the fact that he was given the name Kaiman, and I'm pretty sure it was Nikato who uh, gave him the name. (laughs) See, but I don't think he looks that much like a Kaiman. It's just a lizard name. Yeah, but you can call him Iguana, Komodo. uh, Can you imagine him going around calling himself Iguana? (laughs) I don't know, if you're just going to name him after a lizard, then like... Well, without... without... Kaiman is the coolest choice, then. Yeah. Yeah, also, I kind of, based on, um... What's her name again? Nikaida. Nikaida, yeah. Based on on Nikaida's characterization of what we've seen so far, it's, I would say, like, you know, especially if Kaimans are, like, smaller, then it would be all like, ah, you're like an alligator, but cuter, you know? (laughs) Like... (laughs) Ah, I see. Okay. I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so we should also say the deal with Kaiman is that he has memory loss. He doesn't know how he became a crocodile man. And there is, and he's going around searching for sorcerers because there's a person inside his mouth that is looking for a particular sorcerer. Don't know who that person is. He speculates that it could be himself uh, or the person who turned him into a lizard. Or I think there was one more, but I forgot. Man, yeah. it was it was there, really compelling a... when I read it. But now, like, hearing you say it out loud, like, for other people to hear, makes it sound really dumb. <laughs> it's like, there's this person... Yeah. Who might be him living inside of him? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, so there's yeah, there's a dude in his mouth, and so when he finds the sorcerer somewhere in the hole, he sticks that sorcerer in his mouth, and then he pulls them out, and he goes, what did the dude in my mouth say? <laughs> and they're like, he said, I'm not it. And he's like, well, I guess you'll just have to die then. You're mm. useless to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty brutal. Yeah. Man, the the most brutal scene was with the the sorcerer that turned Nakaido into a bug. He just like uh, threw him oh, off yeah, to the roof and then like sliced his hand off. I was like, whew, that that's some gore right there. <laughs> yeah, the deal with that guy was that he was uh bit going around turning people into bugs and uh they they said that it was a poor transmutation. Like terrible. They called him an amateur for it. Yeah, they insulted his like his magic powers. Mm-hmm. He was like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Oh, but also, coincidentally, her restaurant is called The Hungry Bug. So. Uh, yeah, it's... Okay, so here's another question. Like, what is the benefit to, like, just go to the hole, turn people into bugs, turn people into reptiles? Like, What's the point, like, to get better at turning people into bugs? But why, though? It's practice. For what? Like, there's not like, oh, we gotta defeat this alien menace by turning them into bugs. I'm gonna guess that he was probably unsanctioned because no one went to his defense on the, you know, the sorcerer world. So I'm assuming he was unsanctioned in practicing that. It seems like everybody we meet is just, like, trying to make their wizard number go up, but, like, for what purpose? To be the best, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's probably because, like, I mean, so we kind of said earlier on when talking about it that, um, you know, they, they maybe become demons, you know? And it's like, I mean, I guess the goal of a demon is to just cause mischief anyway. So what I was kind of saying, it's like a bureaucracy. Like, you see towards the end of the first volume, you know, everybody has... I don't remember what holiday it is, but they're standing in line to give gifts to the demons. And, um, is it Fujita? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, there's Kaiman and there's Fujita, and Fujita is sort of... He, he's one of the first characters who encounters Kaiman in volume one. Him and his friend are there in the hole, probably to practice their magic, and his friend gets grabbed by Kaiman, and he's not <clears throat> the right person after mm-hmm. coming out of Kaiman's mouth, so Kaiman kills him, and Fujita is just barely able to escape through a door, uh, a magic doorway, back into the sorcerer's world. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, he feels horrible. You know, his friend died in front of him for what seems like no reason. So, you know... He is very much an everyday man, and I feel like as Kaiman's story progresses, Fujita doesn't get that much of a spotlight, but does remain sort of the straight man to everybody else. Mm-hmm. The story progresses but, like through volume one or throughout the entire story? Throughout the entire story. Gotcha. Because hmm. I, I feel like, you know, there has to be a character that the audience sort of relates with, and I feel like Fujita is the closest thing we'll get to it in that this kind of like crazy world. 
So like I was saying, towards the end of volume one, we see him standing in line to visit the demons and he's brought a handmade gift that he's worked hard on. And meanwhile, uh, Noi and Shin just get to skip the line and go like a VIP way (laughs) to like see the demons and get like personally made masks from them. Very high quality. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, it's very different kind of values than our world, so I do think it's kind of hard to understand. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so what confuses me about what you're saying of Ujita being present throughout the entire story is that it seems like he met his demise at the end. Is that not what the exploding block on his head was? Nah, just comedy. Really? <laughs> oh, you know Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, later on in the story, because we're not going to go through it beat by beat, but um, Kaiman and Nikato come across Ibisu, I think? Um... I'm not sure how... Yeah, I think they come across her. Ebisu, the one um, sorcerer who can do... Nikato and Kaiman come across Ebisu, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She can do lizard transformation. Transmutation, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is what they think. And, yeah, you know, it kind of ends with um, her not having the greatest time. No. Yeah, that, that was, was really that's up. actually a good point, and I'm glad we brought this up back to back between like what happened to Fujita and then, um, oh, I like, literally just blanked on her name. Ebisu. Yeah, because like it's hard to get a tone because like the violence ping pongs between like weird Looney Tunes, <laughs> and then like now this person doesn't have a face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like what. Am I, what am I supposed to get from, like, the the use of violence in this book? I just think it's kind of senseless in some ways, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the point. So what happened was that uh, Nikaido and Kaiman, I believe, were just, like, walking down the street, and then Ebisu showed up. And then they were like, hey, look at that, a sorcerer. Huh, might as well go interrogate them. They're very good at killing sorcerers. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Oh. yeah, also, I was just going to say real quick for anybody who's just now joining us, we are the comic panel, and we are discussing Doro Hidoro uh, by Q Heishada. And um, I was going to say, like, well, actually, um, what to go ahead and say what you were going to say, because I think I was going to bring up a totally different point. So what are you going to respond with? Or was Taylon going to respond? No. Okay. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. I was I was just gonna say that it. um like basically I see like a really big parallel of um of like the whole in the sorcerer's world of like, you know, kind of the ruling class and the mm-hmm. um in the in the working class, you know? And like Basically, like, you know, even down to them, like, basically, like, their spells create smog and stuff like that. And, like, pollution. Mm -hmm. You know, I I see a lot of, like, I don't know, 
um, social political issues in this, where it's like the the sorcerers are being killed in almost revolt. You know, it's senseless, but it's like you represent like you know the destruction of our world in a way. Mm-hmm. I I think that continues to carry out because. I would say it becomes very important the difference between people who can do magic and people who can. Because there are people in the sorcerer's world who cannot do magic. And it's like, what do you do then? Mm -hmm. There's no place for you in, you know, everything they've created. Um, And the the point I was going to make earlier when we were talking about the kind of almost senseless violence, like people getting their faces, like, slashed off it becomes even more senseless and kind of i i think unfortunately it makes it feel like the story has less consequences Mm -hmm. because later on we get tons of different characters who are very good at healing who can like revive people from the dead (laughs) and it's like well then what's the point (laughs) okay yeah I, I should say, like, even one of the main characters, if I remember right, within, like, the next volume or two, gets cut up into pieces, and they're like, oh, darn, guess we gotta fix this. <laughs> yeah, I can see it's how that would be, like, kind of frustrating. It's like, you know, what, what, yeah, what is the point, I guess, is, like, the whole kind of theme of this, of our questions with this book. Yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, that does seem to be coming up a lot, but, like, there's some stuff that makes sense, kind of. Like, the masks. Like, all the wizards wear these weird masks. Like, I don't want to call them creepy, because they're not all creepy. Because Fujita just has, like, a long nose. It's just dorky, Uh, some of them. (laughs) But, like, one's a skull, one's just, like, a human heart that is, like, bleeding all the time. And it's like... Mm -hmm. It, but, like, I kind of understand the point because, like, they are indistinguishable from the people who live in the hole without them. Mm-hmm. So you wear that to, like, show everybody that you are a wizard, and then also it probably helps you, like, line up and, like, not feel bad about doing awful things because you're a wizard and you got the cool mask. And mm-hmm. well, I'm sure it also I guess helps. that's enough for some people distinguishing I mean, yourself in the sorcerer world. Like, oh, that dude with the heart mask. I know who that is. The whole thing with the demons, it definitely seems like it's a status symbol. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you had your mask hand done for your face by a demon? Oh, I could never get that. Like, I'm not high enough for that. <laughs> I have a little wooden thing oh, that goes over my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um... Was I going to say about that? I think that um, basically, yeah. As far as like the the masks, though, like um, I think that they or oh yeah, that's right. I remember now. They, I was going to talk about the funeral shoes too. Like they're very elf like. I just thought that that was like really interesting, like yeah. detail of their world. Like, huh? So like you just have these like weird shoes for funerals. Why? Mm-hmm. All of their all of their clothing and fashion is very weird. Yeah. Like the dress 
Ebisu wears that's just like zippers that are falling apart. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was... I Okay, that kind of segues into... Uh, I like this story for a lot of its characters, is what I'll say. The plot itself is something, and I could never describe it in a way that is comprehensible. Mm. But the f- usually I really like female characters, and this is written by a lady, but I don't super vibe with a lot of the female characters, and how often there is nudity with them specifically. Mm. Oh. Like their outfits, some like plot things, like it's just unnecessary and it feels very weird the fact that I know it's written by written and illustrated by uh, a woman. Now would it have been better see, I think that they just weren't given very much characterization. Like, they, they weren't really delved into that much. Uh, especially with Ebisu. She was just there to be there. And so, question, would that have been better if they characterized them? I, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Because, like, uh, we meet Nakaido, who is ostensibly one of, like, the main characters. And all that I know about her is, like, she helps. She's a friend to Cayman, not because she knew who Cayman was before, but just like wants to be a pal, I guess, and doesn't like wizards because of the same reason everybody doesn't like wizards, I guess. And she's a restaurant owner. That's right. She does own a rest, own and work at the restaurant. So I guess that's a character trait. Mm-hmm. Businesswoman. Yeah. I feel like Noi has a decent personality, and she's like chipper and that, but yeah, it still doesn't feel like that much. Ebisu, I can say, gets a really strong personality later, and mm. I kind of like it. <laughs> um, which, you know, of course, she, she gets a strong personality, and if you find out more of her personality later, you'll find out she would have loved to wear that dress. The one, mm. like, the one that she got? She's... Yeah, she's very special. Oh, gotcha. I mean, hey, you let that dude undress you. Like, I I would imagine that's... Uh, um... It's a designer dress. Hmm. Gotcha. It's a I don't know. Dress, Did she but... still have no face at that point? Because I feel like if yeah, I right. had no face, that would influence <laughs> my, my uh, dressing myself decisions. I think she was just still out of it at that point. Like, I don't think she really got healed mm-hmm. that much. So she's kind of a blank wall. Yeah, she she has a mask on. But But yeah, yeah so, so, mm. a lot of the female characters well, see, I'm being I'm being very general, but I'm thinking of two female characters who are pretty prominent in the story and who end up having some extremely strong magical powers, like world-changing magical mm-hmm. powers. And then also the lack of, like, personality. Like, I am a person who wants to help and who is nice. And it's like, okay. Oh, they're just there? Like, I I don't know. That's probably just where it ends up happening. Like, the whole disconnect of interest in that character. And I'm thinking of the two characters who I really do like, 
who have really strong emotional responses to everything, which <laughs> I think kind of helps. Gotcha. Mm. Uh, are, are any of those women introduced in volume one? Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. Is it Noi? You probably wouldn't know it, though. Oh, okay. Well, Noi has healing powers. Ah, uh, but Is not it one of the, um, the, like, shapeshifter? Um, were they twins, or were they just, like... I, I think they were twins. Yeah, they're twins, those shapeshifters. <laughs> those guys don't even come up that much. Uh, oh, okay. But also, those I are I was just trying to think of, like, female characters that we met in this book. And it's like... This isn't a riddle to figure out. <laughs> I can only think of saying. Noi, Nakaido, and Ebisu. The only three. If I'm not counting the fake shapeshifter. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's the thing. That's the thing. This story... The reason I cannot explain the rest of the plot to you is because some people are several people. Ah. And it is one of those things where you're like, well, so-and-so loves so-and-so, but their other part of them hates them. <laughs> what? Okay, so, Jonathan, let me ask, like, is the plot one of those things where, like, what happens from moment to moment may not seem to match up, but, like, when you zoom out, it's kind of like a pointillist painting, where it's like, you're in close, none of it seems to mean anything, but then you pull out, and it's like, a painting that, you know, makes sense. But, I mean, that I already said Art it doesn't analogies. make sense. Yeah. There's, there's not a point where, like, it suddenly makes sense, at least. See, I, I've gotten to, I think, like, probably seven-eighths of the story I know I've read all of it, and I stopped before it finished. So I don't know if everything comes together at the end and suddenly makes sense. It's one of those stories, and I will say this because I really do like this story, it's one of those stories where, like, things just happen, characters appear and disappear, and, like, suddenly we have a little side event where we're going to have food trucks, and we're trying to sell the best of the foods we can while we're trying to infiltrate, like, this secret hideout, but let's have fun with this food truck plot. And it's like, you just got to enjoy it. Okay. Uh, so don't think too much about it. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. That ruins the fun out of it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's like, it's weird what tropes they decide to like have and what tropes they don't decide to have, I think, is really what's like, for me anyway, mm. what what's weird about it in a way, because it's like... You know, if you're going to have, like, a food truck story, for instance, like, a side bit, I expect, I don't know, like, a cons- I, I don't know, I didn't feel like this was a very consistent arc. You know, it seems like they're dropping bits in between an arc, rather than serious arc, and then playful, silly arc, serious mm-hmm. arc, arc, you know. Yeah, no, I, the thing that was surprising to me was that from the beginning of the volume I was like okay clearly Cayman is the bad guy and clearly Vegeta is the good guy and then as you get on through the book you're like oh it's actually not that simple like like, like Cayman sure 
uses uh, bad methods, but like, there's a reason. How long did it take you to come to that? I'm curious. Like, how many pages? Actually, I'm, I'm sure it was actually probably by volume two. Or, or not volume two, uh, issue chapter, two. Okay, chapter yeah. two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, you know, I had to reread a couple of times just because I was like, wait, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think basically I, I at least knew because, like, you know, they were positioning uh, Cayman as, like, the main protagonist out of the book that, like, we were at least supposed to empathize with him, if not, like, you know, actually read him. Gotcha. That seemed pretty clear to me in the in the beginning, you know. It was like, okay, we're not... We, we do eventually follow the sorcerer who escaped, but we stay with the people who killed them. Mm-hmm. I do find his story most compelling in the first volume. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it was interesting that, like, they pose this, um, like, what you would think would probably be, like, a multi-book arc in, with Cayman. It's like, oh, I've got to find the wizard who changed me into what I am now. And then, like, in chapter three, they find her, but they just don't realize that it's her. Because yeah. she gets, like, pulled out by Fujita. Technically... Before he can ask, like, what did the person... Technically, we don't know for certain. I mean, it's heavily implied. But all he said was, it's. <laughs> That's it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this back up, because I'm not sure. If I, I do think correctly. it's, like, left open to, like, it's supposed to be, like, is it her? Is it not her? It's kind of vague. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know... At least speaking to the idea that, um, you know, of, like, quickly getting there and then, like, it being taken out, that seems like, you know, not, I kind of feel like I I just keep on being like, okay, well, what is this book like, you know, and I don't mean to do that necessarily, but, um, you know, I only have so much background of manga, you know, to draw upon, like, you know, so, but, um, you know, I feel like I've seen that before, where it's like, oh, the bad guy, the big, big bad guy that, you know, you're going to get to in season whatever, or, or chapter whatever, you know, and then it's like, ooh, he was this close, and then, but then he just barely got away, and also you probably would have died, because he was so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost like a thing they do in video games too, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's that's pretty common in video games. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I guess this it's not the only kind one of a trope, but like, edge of tomorrow? probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna answer yes for everybody. Um, <laughs> I guess that's kind of true, but like in this case, like it's a little different because like uh. She poses, like, zero threat to Cayman and Nikaido, because, like, they surprise her, they fight for, like, a second, she gets her mask pulled off, and then, like, she only gets out because of Fujita coming in with the steel chair of pulling open a door. Mm -hmm. Man, but, I mean, okay, so that dude (laughs) just, like, pulled on her arm whilst her head was in a lizard's mouth. 
Like, what were you thinking? It's not the best planner. Mm-mm. Thank you for listening. You can catch us on Mondays, 5 to 7 p.m. on KSUA 91.5 FM, The People's Radio. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Comic Panel. It's comic time. Or you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore comic underscore panel or like our Facebook page at It's Comic Time. Have a great rest of your day.